What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shell, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 17, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 19th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, and I am working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. This episode is brought to you by The Adventure of Fatherhood, helping men discover their powerful fatherhood role and build their fatherhood skills. The role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, find joy and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend, Eric Woolwin, and we dig into his books, We dig into the way that he's raising his sons to know business, to challenge them, to encourage them, to speak on stages and share the knowledge that he's passed on to them. My friends, we should never underestimate what our kids are capable of. Enjoy connecting with this powerful servant leader, Eric. Eric, welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. Really excited to have you, especially based on the person who recommended you. Matt Drinkon is a mutual friend of ours, and he is a guy that has more energy than literally anybody that I know. He's an incredible dude. And when I asked him, hey, who would be a great father to have on the podcast? He recommended you, which is one of the you know, the highest recommendations you can get. Why, when I asked him who's a great father, do you think you came top of mind for him? I believe, well, first off, Ned, thank you so much for having me. And we had just done a show, Matt and I, and then he interviewed my 15-year-old son. Mm. He actually had just set up a day or two ago, he's interviewing my 13-year-old. Wow. But cool. they have both got some pretty spectacular results. And just to say something about Matt, the type of person he is, It was his ninth wedding anniversary, and his wife went along with him to come see me when I was speaking in North Carolina. He said, well, this is the only night you're in town where we live. They came and had drinks with us before he took his wife out for their anniversary dinner. Wow, that's cool. And he just had an awesome 45 minutes or an hour talking to them. Such great people, lovely family. Yeah, and as I think about them. Yeah. And when I think about Matt, it, it's not just the energy. It's the way that he makes you feel about yourself. Like when you're in the room with him, he makes you feel just like an incredible human being. Uh, and that's just such a great quality because so many of us are so concerned about ourselves. You know, he really just wants to bring the bring life to the room and to whoever he's connecting with. So love he it. really does. And it's so authentic. Mm-hmm. And that's one of our missions and all the books we write, all the speeches we give. The end lesson is make the world a better place. Yeah. And that's really what we're trying to do. Yeah. So we, our goals are very much aligned with Matt's. Yeah. So good. Well, I'm looking forward to getting to know you and I'm just going to rapid fire a few random questions to get us started. So people know who I'm talking to. So Eric, how old do you find yourself today? 48. 48. And skiing all day yesterday, I realized I'm a lot closer to 50 than my mind wants to admit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome. How many years you've been married, Eric? 23. 23. Heck yeah. Congratulations. That's awesome. And you have two boys. How old are they? 13 and 15. 13. Okay. You said that they were on Matt's podcast. So 13 and 15 boys. And then where does your family reside? We're in Northeast Ohio. We have a farm and orchard and just live out in the woods with a pond and four wheelers and have fun out here when we're not in the big city speaking. Love it. What's What are you growing in the orchard? Everything. We have kiwi vines, which are kiwi fruit, actually mm-hmm. grows in Ohio. Um, four types of apple trees, European and Asian pears, plums, a bunch of types of cherries, a grape vineyard, and so probably fun. something I forgot, plus my wife's garden, which is all her, not me. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, before we moved to Hawaii, we had six acres in Northern California and had the people we bought it from. There was about 92 fruit trees. But that was the cool thing is there was kiwis and I didn't realize that there's a male and a female, right? Yes. And so you have these two vines and they grow and then you get the kiwi. So that was that was cool. Plus all the other stuff that just made it a really fun experience, you know, for your kids to be able to walk outside. And at every time of year, pretty much there's something to grab off a tree to eat pretty awesome. It is. So <clears throat> I love and hate this question because a lot of men ask it to size each other up. I ask the question to kind of create this level playing field that fatherhood is really level playing field. It doesn't matter how much you make or what you do. We're all going to run into the same issues. My kid turns 10, my kid turns 16, my kid's going to get married, right? We all going to have these. So with that being said, what is it? You've kind of alluded to it a little bit, but what is it that you do for a living? We have many hundreds of rental units. Bought my first rental property in 2003. So four years before my son was born. Wow. And we have done over a thousand rehabs and repositioned. Had two real estate offices at one point in time. I own My wife's a broker. Mm -hmm. uh, manages for other people as well as just ours. And then also have a construction company which pretty much only fixes up all of the properties that we're buying. Uh, and we've written a half a dozen books between us and the kids. And we're really spending more time, not making any money, but spending a lot of time traveling around, promoting, speaking to homeschool groups, real estate investor mm -hmm. groups, and business owner groups. Because those are really the things that we talk about in our book, Family Success Triangle. Yeah, which I'm excited. The I'm kids are always here. with us. It's always about always being with the family. Mm -hmm. I couldn't figure out how to balance all of the work that we had to do and still be there. So to go on the fatherhood track, the most important part of fatherhood is not if they learn how to drive or what they drive. It's, are you available to teach them if they want you to teach them mm, to drive? I like that. And every man, as well as every woman or whatever else, has 168 hours in a week. Yeah. How are you going to spend them? And I learned early on, people would call me up and say, you know, I'd, I'd like a meeting. Blah, blah, blah. I said, great. Be here on time. They show up five minutes late. I frequently... You know, end the meeting. Said that's really nice, but if you don't respect my time, every minute that I have to spend with you, that you kept me waiting, is a minute that I couldn't spend playing with my boys or teaching mm. them something. So I yeah. am very respectful of people's time. Uh, and when I didn't have the link and couldn't get a hold of you, I was, it's one minute after we're supposed to start. I cannot keep you waiting. So I'm trying to contact you in every method that I have to make sure I don't waste your time. Mm. So think that's give, only fair. Yeah. Giving that same respect to people. Yeah. That's huge. I mean, when you put it in the perspective of if, if I waste a minute, that's time I could have spent with my kids. That's a totally different way to approach your time in your day. And even dads, if you're looking at your life, your career, your job, thinking about, okay, if you're going to eight hours a day doing four hours of work, how do you shift that and do the four hours of work and then go home and be with your family the rest of the time? Um, I think it's really wise, you know, to be aware of your time. I have 168 hours. How am I spending those? So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and then I, I want to get into the book. I want to get into, you know, your kids and homeschool philosophy. But, but first, my question is, when did you first embrace fatherhood? So... <clears throat> Did you always know you wanted to be a dad or when you, you know, when you heard the words, Eric, you're going to be a father, or was it when your kid was one, what was the moment where you went, this matters a lot? I never considered not having children. Hmm. I guess I just always knew I was going to have two sons. Don't know how I pulled that one off. But uh, if anything, a more dramatic thing is my wife said when she was pregnant with the second. I think maybe I'm having twins. Mm. <laughs> and as it turned out, she wasn't. It was just Ethan was ornery enough for two kids inside of her. Nice. Uh, and he will stand up and take full credit for that. 
He's he's the active one. He is always on the go. He is never slow. Uh, He's the one that wanted to go skiing yesterday, and he's going over all the jumps and on the freestyle stuff at 13. And I'm recording, so I don't hurt myself. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I always assumed that I would have a couple of kids. And I would think I was absolutely afraid I wouldn't be a good enough father. Mm. And I think so. That, that was a fear you had. That was a fear you had coming into fatherhood. Yes, definitely. Where I think a lot of men have that, and and where do you think that that um, lack of confidence in a, in being a father came from? My relationship with my dad. I, I don't need therapy to tell you it was a little rocky. Yeah, and uh, he was there. I mean, there were a lot of things you know we didn't do without and it, we were totally broke until i was four he graduated med school and opened up his dental office and had a you know your great typical middle class life that a lot of the people listening i'm sure have but i think first off for all of the the men that are going to be fathers someday, maybe you just found out your wife's pregnant or girlfriend, whatever. Maybe you don't know, but someday you want to be. It's good that you're afraid. Mm. You really need to respect it. My dad always taught me there's a very fine line between fear and respect. <laughs> Get on the respect side of the line, right? Don't, don't be terrified. But that just shows that you're a good person. You feel like that because you want to be as good as you can. Yeah. Don't use it as an excuse to run away. Mm-hmm. That's the number one problem, in my opinion, with every family out there. I don't care who they are, but especially little boys, they need a father figure, yeah. whether it's a biological father or not. And you have got to spend time with them. You know, little yeah. girls, little boys, whatever. They need parents from both the mom and the dad. And just just being there. Even if you don't know what you're doing, even if you're afraid, that's the first step. You can make a lot of mistakes that will be forgiven if you're just there. Yes. So when did it click for you? Was there a shift from I'm afraid to the respect side? You know, so you're coming into fatherhood. Was there a shift or, or, or before your boys were born, did you have the, okay, I respect this role? All right, let's do the math. I was married for seven years before we had children. Hmm. So I believe that we we knew we were going to have them and it wasn't we never once said, oh, I can't afford, excuse me, I can't afford to have children or we need to get the businesses under control first. I don't know why we waited so long, but my degrees in pre-med, I spent 13 years working ER and squads and medic in the army. So just to st- statistically speaking women should have children before they're 35. You have a lot higher incidence of birth defects after Mm -hmm. 35. And so I guess I was 33, if I'm not mistaken, and 35. So she would have been 31 and 33 when they were born, give or take. Uh, But yeah, we kind of waited and we had a great life. We were skydivers and we were scuba diving in the Caribbean And, you know, starting and running businesses and doing all these things that people call it wild, but I was very relaxed at 120 miles an hour jumping out of an airplane. And uh, so, you know, we did everything and had a lot of fun together. And somewhere along there, I had enough self-help, self-growth, read enough books, talked to enough fathers and mothers that I realized, yeah, I can do this. I am mature enough. Hmm. So, so it was almost like a, I feel ready now. Yeah, I don't know exactly when it happened, but I knew by the time we wanted to have Devin, which took a while, hmm. uh, we were absolutely ready. It was, yeah, let's do this. And then we kind of decided to have a second one, but the first one took so long I wasn't prepare you know it was two years later yeah we're like yeah let's have another one so we took the appropriate precautions out of the way if you will and i get a phone call going over to my buddies on a friday afternoon that i meet up with oh a bunch of business owners once a month and uh i get this phone call 
hey, by the way, I'm pregnant again, and drove straight past the street to his house. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, that was a lot quicker than the last one. Uh, How incredible. But still incredibly excited. Oh, man, I must have talked their ear off all night about how happy it was to be having a second child. Such a fun season of life. Now, when you think about becoming a father for the first time and clearly having a ton of experience, right? I mean, you're talking about you were in ER, you were you were in the military, you had been running businesses, you had been doing personal development, um, a bit probably in control somewhat of your life, your destiny. What are some things you learned about yourself in becoming a father? Because now it's not just you and your wife. It's now you and this little human being that's half you that needs you. What'd you learn about yourself during that process? Ooh. Well, let's see. It definitely changes you mm-hmm. when you look down and some of the thoughts are, I, I can't believe he can't even hold his own bottle. Right. And he's sitting there and I remember his, his fists are made up. And about the only thing you can hold on to is a pen or something. And I got him to balance and lay the bottle on his fists as he's laying in the carrier beside me. And I didn't actually have to hold the bottle to feed him. And it was such a huge account. It's like I closed another apartment building. (laughs) I taught this kid to balance his own bottle. It's so good. So I would say that. It made me take great pleasure in the little things. Mm -hmm. It's not how many zeros are there. It's not your balance sheet. It's nothing. People would look at you and say, what is wrong with you? And yet half the people out there that are fathers are like, oh, I remember that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait till they change your diapers. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it it changes you. It changes your perspective on life on your role on what matters um so good okay with that in mind right you shared a little bit that that you had a you had a dad that was there for you but it was a little bit rocky so there are some instances where you saw probably i'm i'm assuming you saw things you wanted to take from what you learned from him you saw things that you didn't want to take so with that in mind what's eric's perspective of the role of the father to give them the support that they need to give them a hand up, not a hand out ever to make sure that they are capable. I would say after they were born, my fear was no longer with being a good father. My fear was if I die, how are they going to get along? without me i want to make them self-sufficient as quick as i possibly can and yeah i taught survival in the army and here we are working with you know paratroopers sappers all these other things so i can go out and live off the land if need be and they know they learned how to shoot firearms from a very young age and we start with the bb gun and work our way up with a single shot 22, right? Some parents might not think that's a good thing. Oh, especially in Hawaii. But that's you know, living on a farm. They learned how to ride four wheelers and they can drive a backhoe. Yep. And they can go skiing and have fun. And they learned how to swim. And, you know, all of these little things that make up who you are. So when they go and they get on stage and they're speaking to hundreds of people or a thousand people, they come up and there's always somebody, not always, but frequently there's somebody that says, oh, you stole their childhood. Don't they ever get to have fun? Hmm. You know, they have a private airplane. They literally just fly down to the beach for the weekend if they want to. And we hang out at the Outer Banks or Myrtle Beach or whatever. And if we want to go skiing, we take off on a Thursday and go skiing because, hey, we finished up the closings this week on Wednesday. You want to go skiing Thursday? Great. We'll do that. So, yeah, they have a childhood and they are not spoon fed. They don't have anything given to them. They are expected to work and learn and understand the business. And we slowly got them into business as early as like three years old, 
my son just wants more time. What's every two or three year old want? He wants more time with daddy, right? So he's in his little bouncer and it's hanging off the, my home office is where I work most of the time. That's where I am today. And I hang in the doorway going out in the main room. And then I see him falling asleep. So I put a pillow on the little front of the bouncer. So when his head falls down and hits the pillow this time, and then he wakes up and I hear him giggling and he was the happiest baby ever. And so that's great. He's in the office with dad. And when he's ready to eat or whatever, I handle that. Well, then he's bigger and he's moving around. It's daddy, daddy. And can we play or whatever? And I thought I have all of these bank accounts. I have to get reconciled and I need another cup of coffee. So I sit him down at my desk chair, hand him the mouse. And I'm like, look, remember that memory game we play? Look at this piece of paper. And if you can find a number here and then find it on the screen and put a click beside it. I said, if you get down on the bottom right hand corner is zero, then you win. And I'll get you ice cream or a prize. And he started reconciling my bank accounts by playing memory when he had to be three or four. Uh, I was just cleaning out the file cabinets because it's the beginning of the year. And I found the first contract. He could barely write using big block capital letters, but he wrote his name on a contract when he was like four years old because I made him sign a contract to work for me and get paid. Wow. Wow. Definitely a different a different approach, but an incredible approach uh, and, and something that most men are thinking Get the au pair, get the, you know, get the nanny, get the, and and I'm not discrediting those things. That's fine. And if, if Oh, I think it's have, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Those are great tools. But to, I'm just want to make the point to not just separate dads at work and you aren't a part of that until you're 15 or 18 or 25 or 30 or whatever to incorporate your children in the process because frankly, you had to go to work, right? So if you want to spend time with your kid, you create an opportunity to connect with your kid, but not just, hey, here's a Uno or sit in the corner and do this, but hey, won't you participate with me um, and make it a family a family ordeal? And I think that's, that's the gold right there is you're spending time, you're finding and cultivating ways to spend time with your child, which is really remarkable. There's got to be a thousand books on balance. Balance your work and your home life. Well, how much balance can you possibly have? I have to balance running a business and raising a son. But what about my wife? Oh, well, you always have date night with your wife. But I want to see my parents too. And really, they don't care about me anymore. All they care about is the grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Everybody's been through that when you realize they don't call you to talk to you. They call you to find out when they get the grandchildren again. And I was like, thanks, mom. Love you too. Yes, you can have them this weekend. But uh <clears throat> There's only so much balance. And I mean, you can't do all the things that you want to do and try and separate them. Yeah. Yes. So Separation. that's what we write about. It's not balance. It's integration. Mm. And no, they don't do business all day, every day. That's ridiculous, especially at three and four. Now, Devin is looking to buy his first truck and he just got his learner's permit. He'll be 16. Wow. Middle of next month. Wow. So he's getting there, but he has a healthy amount of time. He's still, he's actually in his third year of college at 15. Wow. So it's not like he's lacking in the educational department. He has spoken in front of thousands of people. He was just on a radio show broadcast to 1.5 million. Wow. He's been on stage with Robert Kiyosaki, George Gammon, all these greats. and. He still has friends. In fact, a lot of them are interested in business. And his, I think it's safe to call her a girlfriend. Uh, but she has also published a book. Wow. So that's pretty cool that he has somebody to talk to that about. And he started his own group, which now has like 50 members on three or four continents. Uh, MIT, Millionaires in Training. And they, wow. just do they actually have a Minecraft server that they play on and they talk to each other over Discord every Monday at four o'clock Eastern time. And he has these people from one's from Australia, if I'm not mistaken, that show up on the I don't know, is it a call on Discord, whatever. But they do this with 
teenagers, you know, like eight to 25 year olds is what they advertise. So yeah, they get to do all that and they go to their grandparents. They see their grandparents almost every single week. If we're not traveling, they're actually with uh, my stepmom picked them up this morning. She does that every or every other Friday and they spend the day with her. Then we'll go out to dinner tonight as soon as I get done here. I don't know about you, but maybe it's my dad life middle age. I literally get excited when I'm going to bed thinking about coffee the next morning. Sort of makes me sound like a drug addict and I've become a bit snobby about it. I only like good fresh coffee. I also love supporting a kick-ass dad and I'm sort of cheap. So the whole $50 bag doesn't really work for me. My go-to is Valiant Coffee. My friend Eric, who is truly an amazing father, husband, and human and was on the Rebel and Create podcast, he roasts the most amazing coffee and gets it to my door within days of it being roasted all for a reasonable price go support eric and drink coffee that gets you excited to wake up in the morning head over to rebellandcreate.com forward slash coffee to get yours so unique so unique okay so i have so so i have some questions for you so one thing and this is the the quote that i'm going to really pull from this but but you're uh your passion behind one word you said, you know, give, I asked you, the question was, what's the role of the father? And the first thing you said was to give them a hand up, not a hand out ever. Right. So that ever was this passionate conviction that you have. And, and on one hand, I mean, what an incredible approach, like what happens if I die? Like that, that reality that I'm not going to be here forever. Um, and now you've you've probably had closer experiences in your life that would you have a better understanding of that than me who wasn't in the military and wasn't in the ER. So you have more of an understanding and connection to that. But I think if more of us dads approached our kids with that mindset of, are they going to be okay if I'm not here? Are they ready if I'm not here? So what gives that conviction of this hand up, not a hand out ever? And if a dad's listening to this, and I'd say 99% of them are listening going, whoa, this guy's world is way different than mine. How would you how would you tell them to start to approach this mindset of not balance, but integration? Integrate everything. Uh, don't. Right. Well, let me tell you the opposite of integration. There are absolutely times you've got a nine to five job or whatever, fill in the blank, what you do. There is a time you have to go to work yep. and you're a welder. You're working on the pipeline. You're traveling. You're running heavy equipment and you are not taking your child with you. Right. 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 So be there. Don't run the crane and drop a steel girder and kill a bunch of people below you because you're worried about your son who's sick at home, mm. right? You've got a wife, you've got a nanny, you got whatever. You stay focused. All that matters is being the best you can at your job. And when that whistle blows, when you go home at five o'clock, do not worry about what's going on in the company. Mm. Be with your child 100% in mind and body and yeah. soul yeah don't just be there worried about work you know play with them be with them oh and turn the tv off i got a new girl working for me we have this wednesday night dinner and i always invite everybody that works for us she runs her own business selling uh you know, t-shirts and glasses that was sports teams and stuff on them she was excited and she shows up she goes can i ask you a personal question said, sure, anything. She goes, when do you and Lila sleep? But people have this idea that we just work nonstop. And Mm. yet we probably have more free time and more time to spend with our family because we have found a way to be where we are mentally. Mm. We don't worry about things that we can't change. That is one of the biggest lessons probably that allowed me to be a better father when I was accepting that I could be, accept things exactly how they are, not how you think they should be or wish they were. So then, okay, this is great because I think so many of us are just caught up in this dream of like someday, someday, someday. 
So what would you suggest or say is that balance of like, okay, I'm running my business. It's taking me 60 hours a week. So I'm be, I'm here, I'm present, but I'm also thinking about the day that I could run this in five hours a week or 10 hours a week or whatever. So, so what does that look like? What's your, your suggestion on that? All right. Let me tie this into every job that somebody might have. Uh, Beautiful. I was traveling, speaking. It is the thing that I like the most to be in front of a live audience, to have them come up to me a year later and say, I can't believe what I learned from you a year ago has made such a dramatic impact on my life. I did what you said and this wonderful thing happened to me. Right. That's the best ever. Oh, yeah. And I was 100% there. Yeah, I talked to my kid or I talked at him because he was an infant and mom would hold the phone up. But I was gone six months out of the first year of his life. Mm. And I said that that and many other things wrapped together. I said, that's it. I'm done. I am as much as I love this. I'm just going to go. And we focused on building up my wife's management company. Uh And I bought a bunch more property, but I just decided not to travel and speak anymore until my kids were old enough to travel with me. And we would still go Mm. to a couple of events a year to learn, but I wasn't the main trainer for these. Mm -hmm. And then at about seven, Devin started going. He went to the National Real Estate Summit with us. And you're supposed to be 14 to get in. And I, I asked if they'd let him and they let him in at seven. And I walk in a couple hours later and say, hey, is my son mature enough to be here? I promised to pull him out of class if he's not mature enough to be in the 14 to 25-year-old group. And he goes, he's over there with all those 20-year-olds teaching him how he beat him in cash flow. <laughs> like, yeah, I think he can stay. That's uh, so good. But, I mean, we played. We don't turn on the TV at night. We play cash flow every Friday night with a family and would have friends over to do that. We'd play board games, whatever board game they wanted. To, they, this dragon thing. They love dragons. And they make swords and get shields and armor and do all these things kids do. Uh, only now they actually make money. So next thing you know, they have this new set of armor that looks rather expensive. He's like, oh, yeah, I bought it on Amazon, Dad. Okay. That's awesome. So I want to come back to this question for, for a moment. So, so we so went 60 hours. Sorry, I didn't even finish that. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm traveling. I said, no, I'm going to be there. But then I realized I'm working 60 hours a week, exactly like you said. Yep. And I did that, but I pulled it off because I have an infant. And just like infants are on their schedule, they're going to wake up whenever they feel like it, regardless of what you want. Yeah. I could work whatever hours. I might have to put in 50 or 60 hours a week. But owning the business, I could work from 2 to 4 a.m. If he woke me up and I couldn't sleep, all right, I'd answer email for a couple of hours, work on spreadsheets or books or whatever. And I did put in long hours, but it was the hours that I chose. Mm. And that is what helped me balance everything way before they could start working with me in the business. So it's it's this... I mean, paying attention to the season you're in, but also, okay, so pay attention to the season you're in, be engaged and present in that, but you can still plan and prepare and vision for what you want to create, but not be so caught up in the future that you're missing the present. Is that That is incredibly well said. That's perfect. Because I find that men are, are sometimes live in either or. They are stuck in the job they hate. Yes. And it's sucking the life out of them now, or they're stuck in the future, which I think I can find myself sometimes in and not enjoying the today because it's always like, well, dude, next year, once I accomplish this project, boom, boom. But I'm, you know, there's always going to be a new project. So I love integration. Um, I love be present, uh, be where you are mentally. I just want to come back. I just don't want to miss it. The hand up, not a handout ever. Um, I think that our kids right now expect a lot like, Hey, I'm going to this thing. Could I have 20 bucks? Hey, there's this thing. It's 40. Hey. And I, and I see us dads just like 
ATMing it for our kids. Sounds like in that word ever that you said that that you've never been an ATM for your kids or shy away from that. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Um, just because I think it'd be helpful for, for me and for dads. Okay. I had, uh, my grandfather was in and out of nursing homes. They lived to be pretty old, had good lives, but they had the depression mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, their grandma and grandpa were born right at the end of the great depression. And they lived like that their whole life. And so I believe it was, he broke his hip or something. So he's in the hospital and then he's in like an extended care nursing home for a couple of months until we can get him healthy enough to bring him back home. And it's my they took turns the last few years of their life with different medical problems where they had to have 24 hour care. But we always got them out as quick as possible and kept them at home right to the end, except for right after a broken hip or whatever. And I remember being in there. And my grandfather, he's just, you know, rude, sexist, racist, everything. <laughs> and he thinks he can get away with it because he's 80 or 90. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you don't like that type of person. How many of that type of person, you know, fill in whatever stereotype it is. How many of those do you know? What about that one couple you met at the racetrack? He goes, oh, well, they're different. I go, yeah. So, you know, exactly one fill in this thing and you love that family but you're sure that even though you've never met anybody else of that religion or that color they've all got to be bad except for the one that you know so shut up grandpa so that's who he is that's his life and he is just you know gruff about whatever and i didn't even notice it's just grandpa and my mom's standing there she goes do you have any idea she goes listen to this guy in the same room we got the you know, curtain pulled. She goes, every single time I've been in here, a family member has come in here and asked him for money. Grandpa's laying in the mm. hospital dying, and every single family member, his kids and his grandkids, have come in and asked him for money. Your grandkids have never, ever asked you for anything in your life. You should just say thank you or something. That was the gist of the conversation. Mm. But that stuck out in my mind. And we went up there and I remember I took my wife up and women aren't good enough to do this. He's like, can you please paint my awnings? And we go up and I was like, hey, you want the air conditioner put in or something? It's that time of year. He goes, well, I thought you were painting the awnings. I said, no, my wife's doing that. And he was not thrilled about that. I'm like, look, (laughs) he's a way better painter than me. She does all our painting. You have an electric problem, you call me. But she does the painting. And for years we had been married i mean we'd been together for so long and he never once called her lila Hmm. she was lisa she was lily she was anything that started with an l and he walked outside to look at the awnings after she got done painting and said lila would you like something cold to drink and never messed up her name again after that wow but we i she earned her way into the family yeah Not that she should have had to, but whatever it was, even as stubborn, idiotic, whatever his psyche was, he immediately responded that, yeah, she is good enough for whatever reason. And I have always taught my children that just because you were born into this family, Mm -hmm. your mom and I, your dad or your grandfather picked pieces off of a bone and went hungry to feed me while he was putting himself through dental school your mom and i slept on a mattress on a warehouse floor with no heat in ohio in december just seven years before you were born so don't think that any of this is your right until Uh, you earn it yep and uh, I say, well, yeah, you can have everything I have. Once you prove to me, you will never, ever need it. And I'm not about being fair. If I think one of them will do really well with our properties and the other one just wants a handout, then I'm going to give it to 
all to the one that doesn't need it because they will keep it growing. I've got to take care of everybody that works for me and make sure they have jobs and get paid. I have hundreds of thousands of people that count on having a working furnace and a roof that doesn't leak. Yeah, And these things break down and the roofs leak from time to time. And you have to react quickly and get them fixed. And it would be a great disservice to all of my customers, whatever it is they're doing, if I just handed it over to somebody because they happen to be my children and they didn't take care of it. So I've bought out more landlords than you can think because their children didn't want anything to do with their business or they didn't have a clue how to do their business. And I was determined Mm. to not let my kids grow up to be that way. That's a major focus in my book is how do you do that without forcing it down their throats? How do you not make them hate it? Because so many landlord kids hate they'll never own a piece of real estate. Yeah. So I want to ask, I'm going to ask you a question here, but I do want to bring this up. So the book is called Family Success Triangle. I'm holding it right here. Uh, Just incredible tool and resource for parents. And and I do, after I ask this question, I want to ask a couple additional things just for you to talk about this. But I think that people can already tell the nuggets that they would gain from from reading this um, would, would be impactful for them and their kids. Just because I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I want to maybe dig into this a little bit. You said none of this is your right. You you know, you were born into this family. None of this is your right. You have to earn it. And sometimes I, I don't know, maybe I don't know if there's a negative connotation with earn it or or what. But when I'm hearing you describe it, when I hear you talk about your care for the the you've experienced living in a cold apartment in December. And now you know that you have this responsibility of, of, you know, families who are relying on you to be able to heat their homes. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I just hear this, this deep responsibility to be a good steward that what you've, what you've been given through hard work, right? Because I think every one of us is born with a brain and hands, right? And and we're given what we can handle and even beyond what we can handle so that we can grow as human beings. But you've clearly been a good steward, so you have more in your hands. So this idea of, of earn it, to me, I'm really hearing, sons, I want to teach you to be good, responsible stewards with this because this isn't about you. One of the biggest and most important lessons I ever teach is take responsibility. Mm -hmm. I said, if you want to be a business owner, and the same thing could be said, I find there's no difference between a father and a business owner. If you can pull off being a father, you can run a business. So don't think, well, I don't have a degree. Neither do I. My degree's in medicine. I have never had an accounting or business course in my life. You know, I learned about accounting. I took, I bought QuickBooks found out all kinds of stuff I was doing wrong, trying to use Excel. And I took an accountant to lunch over and over until Mm -hmm. I figured it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But take responsibility, everything. I'm training. Uh, One of my new students has been, I mean, he has a business name and a legitimate LLC, but it's him and a helper. And he's my HVAC guy. And he finally, he's like, I'm ready to grow. Bought a couple of rentals or he bought his first rental from me end of last year and he's hired not just another assistant, but you know, the next person. So now there's three of them in the company because I'm ready to grow, Eric. It's ready to do something. I said, great, Bill. It's only taking you 10 years. And he said something where I go, well, that's awesome. I said, but just remember these two things, you won't go wrong. Every single thing that happens is your fault. Hmm. And you are absolutely going to pay for everything that goes wrong. And if you accept that, your life is a lot easier. You're a business owner now. You're not an employee. You're not some subcontractor that just leaves when the job gets hard. You're taking responsibility for other people as if they were your children. So don't look at it as a new employee. Look at it like your son, who he's raised a good son. So think about what you did there. If they messed up, it's because you didn't teach them something they needed to know. So you can teach the next guy. Mm. But if they messed up and it's their fault, 
you have given all control to them. Would mm. you like to give control to your two-year-old or your five-year-old that every time they do something wrong, if it's their fault, you can yell at them and spank them and put them in the corner or whatever it is that you do. But until you teach them to do it right, then they're not going to learn. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm not saying don't punish your children. They, We need more punishment. We need more people to stand up and say, listen, this is wrong. You just That is not acceptable. You don't act that way. And if you do it when they're two, you won't have to do it when they're 20. Yeah. They won't be yes. sitting around saying, dad, give me more money. Mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. got drunk and wrecked my car and did this. No, you instill it when they spill their milk or when they color on the wall with a crayon or the really easy things to fix. Mm. So 10 and 20 years later, you don't have to worry about that. That's really good. Really good. So I love how you connected. If you can be a father, you could be a business owner, a business owner and a father. And then you made the comment about this is what a business owner is. Everything's your fault and you're going to pay for everything. And those two, and you said it makes life a whole lot easier because you've just accepted it. It doesn't change that you're going to have to deal with it. But now that I know that that's the reality, life is easier. Man, what if more fathers showed up to their home that way? Everything's my fault. Now, that doesn't mean I'm the, you know, the passive bitch. I just take it all and I don't, you know, leave my family. No, that's the opposite. Yeah, Yeah. but I'm laying down, I'm taking ownership, right? And so, hey, everything's my fault and I'm going to pay for everything. It would make things a whole of a heck of a lot easier if I approached my home and family that way, because then it's like, hey, I am actually the king of this place. And that doesn't mean everybody serves me. That means I show up and I know how to serve everybody. Right. And you need to be the king, like you said. There's so much of this gender crap going on that annoys me. You know what? (laughs) Maybe gardening is a man's job, but I don't know anything about it. And my wife loves it. And she is the king of the garden. If she says something in the garden, that's what happens. She has her greenhouse. I have built that green. Me and the kids built that greenhouse with some help for her, but we like the building. We do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I designed this awesome system so we can travel and our plants don't get dried out. They have a reservoir of water. Love it. That's what I, as for planting the plants, yeah, I am really good at eating the food that comes off of them. And that's about it. So we all have our strengths and it doesn't need Mm. to be what is traditionally masculine or feminine. You just have to figure out what are you good at and preferably what do you like and what do the other members of your family like? My two teenage sons, they both like some of the same things, but they have wildly different. I mean, if it's action, driving, my 15 year old really doesn't want to drive. I can't imagine that. I was so excited to get my driver's license out of here. And he is so slow and timid on a four-wheeler. It barely moves when he learns to do that. He didn't really want to drive the car or the truck. Um, He's never even asked if he could drive my Porsche, which I totally would have asked at 15. But he's like, oh, no, he doesn't even want to drive the pickup truck. And then Ethan is like, oh, man, just a couple more years. You know, just chomping at the bit, driving the four wheeler Uh, as fast as he can. Oh, yeah. There's a story in the book about how, oh, children tend to have, they want to do the right thing and frequently either don't have the mental capacity or haven't made enough mistakes to differentiate. Mm. Right. So his idea when he's going down a one, it's one four wheeler wide trail. And he is a lot smaller on a very small four-wheeler. And I'm on a very large four-wheeler coming the other way. And I'm going a reasonable speed, and he's just hauling it fast as he can through there. And uh, as he comes around the corner and sees me coming the other way, it never once occurs to him to hit the brakes. (laughs) He keeps his thumb on the gas and zips off the trail to the right where there's a bunch of briars and underbrush. Yeah, there's also a stump that's almost a foot high. Oh, man. So I come mostly to a stop, see him going around to my left, and he hits the stump, the four-wheeler flies up in the air, and I watch my young child sail through the air. 
And I'm thinking, as he lands on his shoulder and rolls through it, man, am I glad he's been in martial arts since he could walk. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he learned, literally learned how to fall down about as soon as he learned how to stand up and walk. And that was a very, very good lesson. This time, literally, but also figuratively, teach them it's okay to fail. Yeah, You don't yep. learn that in school. No. Nope. You have to memorize and do it one way. No. Cheat off of somebody. I never did anything without having a team of people. And we always let the person that's the best at this do that. That's not cheating. That's teamwork. And that's mm. what you do in business. And mm. that's how we teach them differently. And I said, hey, are you okay? Well, he stood up, so I knew it was okay. And before the adrenaline wears off, I was like, all right, so how do you handle this? And all this is zipping through my mind, seeing my child fly through the air, hoping he's okay. He jumps right back up. And the first thing out of my mouth is, now you flip your own four-wheeler back over and next time make better decisions. (laughs) And I drive back to the campsite on mine and I'm thinking, oh man, I hope my wife doesn't freak out over this. So she doesn't know this happened. She came the other way and helps him flip his four-wheeler back over. Doesn't know what happened. And then she's all worried that I'm going to be mad because I ruined his learning experience or his punishment. And I'm just sitting there thinking, I'm glad she's not mad at me for leaving him. (laughs) You know, 50 yards away. If he screamed, I could hear him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And I was like, yeah, I figured he was okay. He had a helmet on. He rolled right. Life was great. And, uh, but yeah, that's one of the stories that you have to let them fail. Nobody is ever going to do everything right the first time. Your job is not to prevent them from getting hurt. It is to be there and pick them up if they mm-hmm. need it. That's and so good. Hence the hand out versus the hand up. I'm not telling you to never do anything risky. That goes against everything we believe. I am telling you to mitigate the risk. And when you do fail, which is inevitable, just stand up one more time than you get knocked down. Mm-hmm. You're never a failure unless you give up. Yep. So good. So good. So I'm going to ask you about the book, uh, a a couple questions, and then then I have a couple last questions. I want to respect your time. But the family success triangle, what was really the intention behind putting this book out? What was your hope? What is your hope as as a father, as a mother, as a family reads this um, that you that you want them to walk away gaining? As you're flipping through, I think it's page number 32. That is actually the triangle I'm talking about. So I think that it is unbelievably the most important thing you do in your life is your family. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, after 13 years in the army, many years in emergency medicine, I have seen more people die than anybody should ever have to. Yeah. Nobody ever laid on their deathbed and said, I wish I would have worked a little bit longer. Nobody ever said my life would have been so much better if I got another promotion. Yeah. Everybody says, tell my wife, girlfriend, or kids I loved them. Right? It is always about the family at the end when you're thinking the most clearly you ever have. It's always that. And man, I had a good life. I'm so happy that I had all these grandchildren. It's, you know, these are the things their regrets are, I wish I would have spent more time with them. And it's always nice to talk to somebody that's positive and doesn't have mm-hmm. regrets. Mm-hmm. But nobody has ever regretted working too little right. or spending too much time with their family. So don't forget that. That's one corner of the triangle. You do, however, and I don't, I actually maybe should research this. There are plenty of homeless people today, way more than there ever should be in a country as great as ours with all the things that we have, all the opportunities we have. Yeah, you get down on your luck, man. Get back up. Mm-hmm. I have been in worse places. Nobody is trying to kill you. You have a step up over where I have been in times of my life. And so you have to either have a job or have a business. Somehow, you got to have money. Money is very very important. And I hate people that are 
broke and say, well, I'm incredibly wealthy because my family loves me. No, you're broke. All right. You have a great family. And how good is that when you argue with your wife that you can't take kids out to McDonald's because their friends got it and they want it? Yeah. Um, How good is it to have all these presents and then get evicted from your apartment? You have to find that and you have to create enough money to get to the level that makes you happy, whatever that is. Maybe that's millions of dollars for some, and maybe it's a hundred grand a year for somebody, and maybe it's 25 grand a year for somebody. Whatever that is that brings you the amount of comfort you want, you have to have income. And if you have a dollar more than you need to live, you can either buy another ice cream cone, you can save it up and go to Disney World, or you can invest it. Mm. And I frequently teach my kids, they have had jars which I, I worked with Harvecker and Secrets in the Millionaire Mind, Peak Potentials for a few years. And he had this, you know, money management system with jars. And so we created different percentages when the kids were infants. And they would put in a certain percentage of whatever. If grandma gave them money for uh, Christmas or their birthday, they would split it up. And some would go into education. Some would go into tithing. Some would go into toys. No matter what you do, you always set aside 10% to blow on stupid things. Something that is fun. Because if not, what's the use of work? Mm. Right? And that is as important as setting aside at least 10% for investing. And so... I like that. They saved up money (laughs) and they bought an ounce of silver because they could do that for 15 bucks at the time. Mm-hmm. Or they, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter what you invest in, but you have to start investing. So you make $1 per time period more than you need to live. And then you invest that. And our triangle is we had the kids help in business, which gave yeah. us more time with the kids. And we made more money in business and it was more enjoyable. We made more money in business, which allowed us to buy more investments, which gave us, it grew the business because they tie together and our kids learned to invest and they made money, which gave us more. We could hire somebody to mow the yard and somebody to clean the house and whatever. And we got to spend more time with our kids because of our investments. But that is the triangle. So incredible. Integration of family business and investing. Love it. And every time you do one, right, it makes the other two grow more. Mm-hmm. What an incredible tool and resource you're giving to parents. Um, before I ask my two last questions, where can people learn more about the book, get the book, um, and, and, and kind of jump into the education of this? Well, you can get our book, Family Success Triangle, on Amazon. If you, uh, <clears throat> if you have kids that they're not going to sit down and read a business book, but they want to learn more about it, Both of my children have written fictional books to get you interested, really fun, like eight to 25-year-olds called The Treehouse. My son's reading that one right now. Awesome. Yeah. And then you've got The Garage is what the older one wrote. In fact, they just finished. I think it still has to be edited, but in the next month or two, the second book in The Garage series, The uh, Fall and Rise of Atlas Gold, will be coming out. And that'll be on Amazon. We have a free newsletter. I just write a page or two once a week on Wednesday. We send it out. And you can sign up on my website, clearskytrainer.com. And then at Real Power Family, we post, you know, like a one-minute video every day. And it's the same at Real Power Family for Rumble and YouTube. And then I'll tell you, the kids have their own Instagrams and stuff, but they're all linked to ours. And everything's on the website, Clear Sky Trainer. Man, Eric, thank you for the the intentional father you are, you know, that we can all come along and learn from it, that, that you guys are putting this out there for the world to, to build the same family lifestyle that you've built. Um, you know, I want to ask two last questions. Are we okay on time? Absolutely. Okay. So this podcast is called Fatherhood Field Notes, and we've done it, right? For the last almost hour, you've opened up your field notes, really sharing stories, sharing life, wins, sharing it all. The mantra behind it is rebel and create. And this could be applied to something small, like I'm rebelling against, um, you know, 
having our phones out on Saturday morning so that we can create great Saturday morning, you know, pancake breakfast as a family, or I'm rebelling against, you know, uh, the status quo of fatherhood so that I can create X, Y, or Z. So clearly you're rebelling against a lot um, and you've created a lot. But when I bring those words up to you, what resonates in your heart right now? What are you rebelling against and what do you hope to create? We are rebelling against massively overreaching governments. So a couple of years ago, the CDC, a health organization, decided we couldn't evict people. So we sued them and beat them in Cleveland federal court, proving that we can evict people because you got to trade value for value. That's the essence of what I'm teaching my children. And if you want people to want handouts, then train them to get handouts and they'll keep needing them. Mm -hmm. If you want them to be self-sufficient, train them to do that. And what's so funny is earlier this week, I was talking to a panel, two judges, bailiff, six people from the court. They said it was never like this before. There are so many people that are so entitled. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, one of your branches of government did it. So that's why every book that my kids write, even they are writing about, well, in the tree house, it's the building inspector. And in the garage, it's the mayor that is going after them. And it's just not fair. Well, life isn't always fair. So rebelling against that so we can create more freedom and liberty. Mm-hmm. And as long as parents teach their children to take responsibility, then they should really enjoy the freedoms and the liberties that are available. If you need to be taken care of from cradle to grave and you give a government or anyone, even your own father, that much power over you, well, anybody that has the ability to take care of you your entire life has the ability to control your entire life. Mm. And that's not the world I want to live in. That's not why I joined the army. And that's not the way I raise my kids. I want freedom and choice. Love it. Love it. All right, Eric. So good. My last question, legacy question. And and clearly, again, we've been hearing this from you. But when you think about legacy, when you think of just beyond your life, when you peer into, let's just say your grandkids' homes, right? Let's go past your kids to your grandkids' homes. Your grandkids are 40 years old. What do you see being played out in your grandkids' homes? And you can just have a big smile on your face going, the way that I lived my life is being played out in their homes now. I have no idea what the world will be like in 40, 80, 100 years. Mm -hmm. But I hope hundreds of years from now, my ancestors, uh, or all of my children's children's children, everybody, If I came in in the morning, I hope that they're sitting in their comfortable chair reading a book for a half an hour as soon as they wake up. Mm. Because nobody can tell you what you're going to need to know. You have to constantly stay up to date with the changes in the world. Books are a great way to get knowledge. I hope that they're listening to whatever the current day podcasts are. Perhaps the news was good years ago. But right now, the only real news you seem to get is on podcast. So I hope that they're listening to that when they drive. I learned so much on cassette tapes and then CDs and now on podcasts. Yeah. Who knows what that medium will be? But I want them to constantly learn and grow. I love with whatever that. Whatever it is that they have. Sitting in their, com- I did not think that's where you were going. You're like, sit in your comfortable chair and be reading for the first half hour of your day. Because even in that, the ability to to have that, you're talking about discipline. You're talking about the freedom to be able to get up and read and learn and continue to educate yourself. So there's a lot there that you're saying, but it's 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 don't be stuck in your ways. Once you have it figured out, that doesn't mean you have it figured out. Keep learning, keep growing. Um, Eric, I see that you're doing that. And what's fantastic is you're taking what you're learning and not hoarding it for yourself, but you're sharing it with the world. There's just this abundance that you have. Um, Thank you for the work you do. Thank you for investing in your marriage, in your kids, and for sharing it with us. Um, I just so look forward to getting to know you more and continuing to watch all that you and your family puts out um, into the world. And, And thank you for letting us be a part of it. Thank you so much for having me here, Ned. Like I have always thought that the family 
and raising my boys the best I could. Being a good father would be the most important thing I ever did. And anytime I can get on a podcast like yours that helps other fathers out, I am overjoyed. So thanks for allowing me to do that. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure getting to know you. Uh, What an incredible conversation. So many nuggets. Uh, My friends, let's turn off the TV more often. Let's play games with our kids, engage in conversation and challenge them. Teach them what we know. Make sure to go uh, check out Eric's books. Learn more about everything that he is doing. He is working to inspire other fathers to help their sons and daughters understand how the world works and how to live and succeed, create jobs, provide value. Okay, my friends, we must know who we are. The world would look and feel different if men showed up in their identity to love, serve, guide, provide, and protect. This is why I launched Adventure of Fatherhood. Make sure to go check out adventureoffatherhood.com. Grab the kids book. Soon uh, we will have an introduction to fatherhood course taught by yours truly. Uh, We also have the Adventure of Fatherhood gift box for a new dad that you can order and welcome him into his role. Powerful opportunity. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebellion Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is to your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time. Next time.